Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hello, hello, hello. It is one crazy time right now. I decided to push back a few of my scheduled podcast episodes to put together a special episode just for you guys this week. I know we are all navigating different times than we've ever experienced before as SLPs in the schools or just SLPs in general or just parents or humans. We are all in quarantine and stuck at home and learning new ropes and new ways to work from home with our children climbing on top of us, how to communicate with our students via technology, how to figure out what are the rules and regulations and what are we allowed and not allowed and what's changing and not changing and what state is allowed to do this, what state is allowed to do that, and what are you allowed, what is your districts requiring from you, what jobs are requiring from you. There are so many things going on right now that we are left confused, tired, overwhelmed. I mean, here I am trying to help my daughter understand why we are home and not able to go outside, not able to go visit Grammy, why she can't see her friends other than via kids messenger. And that has been the savior, by the way, if you have kids at home, I put uh, the kids messenger app on her iPad. And that's been the best thing for her. She's chatting away on her friends after she does her schoolwork. But also, uh, while I'm trying to help her with her schoolwork and play with the baby at home, also, I'm trying to 
my district, as of this point of the recording of this podcast, I'm supposed to be just using Google Classroom to upload assignments for the amount of times the assignment should take my students the amount of minutes per week that I should see them. So the majority of my students, I see once or twice a week. So I'm putting about an hour of worth of work for them to do. I post it on Monday morning. It's due on Friday. And every day I check in once or twice a day to see if they have any questions. I post you know comments, answer it back, just show them that I'm here for them, things like that. But I know many of you are expected to do teletherapy and you had to learn overnight what to do. And that could be so, so overwhelming. And and I hear for you guys. And since teletherapy isn't my jam, I've never done it. I know nothing about it. It's something that always intrigued me. I am fascinated by it. I think it's amazing that speech therapists do this all the time and are able to access, students are able to access speech therapists that they might not have been able to access before. And speech therapists are able to work from home and on their own schedule, which they haven't been able to do before technology. So I gathered several SLPs that this is their jam. And I had them send to me their best tips for you guys. And I put it all together in a bonus episode here, right here on SLP Coffee Talk. Without further ado, here are the best tips for teletherapy, and I hope you find it helpful. Hi there, my name is Stacy Pfaff, and I'm a speech pathologist working as a teletherapist. I am also an author and blogger over at my teletherapy room. I share anything that has to do with teletherapy and also create no print digital resources for speech therapists to use within any teletherapy platform. So I'm here today to share some teletherapy tips. I kind of wanted to start out today by just giving some simple recommendations for setting up your teletherapy sessions prior to getting started with your students. I really think that this can really make for a successful school year or just atmosphere for conducting your sessions if you can eliminate some potential problems before you first start. The first one is just making sure that you and your student or family that you're working with has the technology they need. So making sure you're hardwired to the internet is highly recommended for optimal internet performance during teletherapy session. And that just means you're going to turn off your Wi-Fi on your computer and directly connect your cable from your modem to your computer. You're going to really want to set the precedent with your families that your students need to work in a quiet environment in their home with eliminating background noise and distractions in their environment. A lot of times I maybe have my students initially trying to sit on the couch during their sessions or sitting on their bed, and that really isn't acceptable in my opinion because they need to be sitting at a desk where they have good posture for working on speech sounds and just also having an atmosphere that's really conducive to learning and also making sure that the background is quiet. I have to kind of do some quality control for my students because they really have a like a TV on in the background or their siblings are in the background. You want to really set a precedent with your families that you expect them to be in a quiet area. Now, keep in mind that sometimes this isn't always possible and it's okay. It's certainly workable, but that's just kind of an optimal suggestion. Also, headsets are not required for teletherapy, but encouraged, especially on the speech therapist. I'll have some students who do not want to wear a headset, and that's completely fine. Um, if they can and they're able to, then 
it's very beneficial for them. I always like to think about when I'm doing articulation therapy, I love it when the students can wear my headset because I feel like they can hear my model better. It's going directly into their ear and auditory pathway. And I personally feel that you're going to see a lot more success with those students if they have that headset on. I also want to point out that it's really important to express to your families the importance of the virtual assistant. And that just means I really like it when my caretakers are able to sit with my students, especially my younger students. There might be a time where they feel that they can place them on the computer and then they can leave the room. Now, I'm kind of flexible with this, but I think it's really encouraged to speak clearly to your caretakers that they are expected to be present during the teletherapy sessions. Obviously, older students who can sit independently, this isn't as important, but for younger students and then also students who just have more attention needs, they, the caretaker or virtual assistant really needs to be present. And this should be clearly explained to them prior to starting teletherapy so they know what the expectations are. Sometimes I have to kind of backtrack if I didn't go over this with a family and they just kind of think they can, it's more of an independent process. It's really not that all the time. So so I think it's important that you also clarify those expectations. So those are just a few tips that I wanted to share with you of how you can set up your teletherapy sessions for success from the beginning. I hope that it's helpful for you and I am excited to be part of this process. I know that you're going to all do well with your teletherapy sessions. My last piece of advice is just to have fun. Teletherapy is such a fun environment. Your students are going to love it and I hope you can embrace this whole new way of delivering speech services. Hi, my name is Lucy Stone and I run the Speech Express. I work primarily with middle and high school students in a very rural district in Pennsylvania, about an hour outside of Philadelphia. I recently teamed up with Holly from Spiffy Speech and together we put out a huge master list of teletherapy resources and activities and you can find it on my blog at www.thespeechexpress.com. Overall, my biggest tip for teletherapy is to just be flexible and really take advantage of your environment. Remember how back in grad school, your supervisor said that a good SLP should be able to create a successful therapy session using nothing but a paperclip? Well, lucky for us, by doing teletherapy, we actually have access to so much more than I think many of us realize. If you're working with younger students, let the child share their favorite stuffed animals or toys with you, or even take you on a tour of the room or of the house if they're using some type of portable device. Or, if you're like me and you're working with older students, encourage them to share any favorite possessions or keepsakes such as awards or trophies from sports tournaments or their musical instruments that they brought home. Think about all the opportunities that would offer. So they could describe what they're showing you, they could hunt for objects in a category or with a specific attribute, like find something that belongs to the appliances category or name something in the room that's made of glass. You can even give more complex directions too, like using before and after or if then. So if your student is showing you something of importance to them, like a trophy or an award, encourage them to use sequencing words or certain vocabulary to tell you the memory that goes along with it. They can even introduce you to their pets for practice with comparing and contrasting. The opportunities are seriously endless. Also, if you brought some of your materials home, like Arctic cards, sequencing cards, anything like that, you can still use them. Plus, we're lucky because we're living in such a digital age, so many of the resources that you've already purchased on TPT can just be pulled up and screen shared. 
You can also take photos of any workbooks that you may have at home, and then you can use a free scanner app like Genius Scan, which allows you to take a picture of the page that the student can either view or print as if it was scanned in using an actual scanner. I think so often as school-based SLPs, we're left wanting to have that window of access into how we can help our students outside of school. And this is really like kind of our shining opportunity. So don't be afraid to collaborate with families. If they're joining in on the session, really show them how to help their child expand their communication and language and help generalize those skills that you work so hard to teach every day at school. So just really take advantage of that environment that teletherapy offers us. Be flexible and have confidence in your skills as an SLP. We will all get through this together. Hi, my name is Teresa Kelch and my Teachers Pay Teachers store is Lady in the Box. Some tips that I have for teletherapy are to challenge yourself to use one to two activities per session. Otherwise, you are going to be planning for hours every day before you see your students. Now, this might mean using the same story across different ages or grades. And you might think that this is impossible, but it is not. It just takes a lot of trial and error. For your younger students, turn on some music, sing and dance, get goofy with them. Students pick up on the energy that you bring. It's okay to be nervous, but just know that you have the skills to adapt. And keep that mentality through all of this. Other ways you can carry an activity across various students is by playing a game like Connect Four or Snakes and Ladders. You can have your articulation students say a target word however many times based on what they rolled on the dice. Or every time it's someone's turn, they have to think of an action word and put it into a sentence. Less is more in teletherapy. And it's not all boom cards. Boom cards are great, but PDFs, PowerPoints, websites, even physical objects, they are all included in my day. The most important thing that you can do is to ask how your student's day is every time they see you. Maybe that's just a wave and a smile. Or maybe ask them what their Marvel character is on their shirt. And this will give you a bit more buy-in, and the transition of this will become easier. The biggest hurdle that you are going to face is yourself. Learn to accept that this mode of therapy is not necessarily traditional and that it's looked at as weird, but you have to let that feeling go. You just need to have fun and get creative. Hi, my name is Vanita Litvak, and I am the host of the Speechy Side Up podcast. I'm also an AAC consultant for a local school district in my county. And I'm here to share with you how to do AAC therapy with telehealth. So first, let's start talking about the different platforms that you can choose from. There's VC, Blink, Zoom, and TheraPlatform. I compared each of these and ultimately decided to go with TheraPlatform due to pricing of the other three and HIPAA compliance. What I liked about TheraPlatform is that you can try it for free for 30 days and then it's only $59 a month after that. And I promise you, I don't have any ties to TheraPlatform at all. I was just looking for something that was relatively affordable and was HIPAA compliant. The features that I like in TheraPlatform is that you have the ability to schedule clients, send them forms like consent forms, send them like a welcome newsletter, a tutorial on how to use the platform, and you can share your screen, which is really important, and we're gonna talk about that shortly. 
So one thing that I want to encourage is that you speak with your parent before the session and explain how to use the platform that you've chosen. Also, you're going to want to ask what activity they feel comfortable doing at home rather than just jumping on and saying, okay, what are we going to work on today? So I'm going to talk about three different activity types that you might choose with your parent. The first is going to be shared reading. Then we're going to talk about mealtime and then playtime. Before we talk about those, though, there are some things that you're going to need in order to do AAC therapy through telehealth. The first is to have a comparable device. So if your student uses a communication app, having that app on your own iPad, or you can actually download some AAC systems onto a computer and share your screen that way. You can do this with touch chat through chat editor. You can also do this with LAMP or Unity through their new voice software and then cough drop as well. Now don't worry if you do not have a device with the same AAC system or a PC computer to download that software that I just described. You can just print out a copy of the student's communication device and model on that. So now let's dive into the reading activity. So if your family decides to do reading during your session, there are some awesome resources that you can use such as Epic Books and Tar Heel Gameplay. So I'm gonna talk to you about both of those. The reason I like Epic Books rather than a YouTube video is because what I found is a lot of the YouTube readings are read by somebody that's unfamiliar and there's not a lot of opportunity for the communication partner to read, uh, for you to stop and encourage communication. So I like Epic Books because it's very interactive. They have videos and sound and music that goes along with the books. And then with Tar Heel Gameplay, the way that works is that you grab a YouTube video. So let's say you found a YouTube video with a book on it and there isn't anybody reading it. You can actually have the video stop at specific segments and present a target word. So it could say more, it could say a word that was on the page of the book. So let's say you're reading, there's a brown bear, brown bear video on YouTube. It could say brown bear, brown bear, what do you, and then it would pause and then a word would pop up and it says C. So then the child in order for the video to keep going would have to say C on their device. So in this case, I would model on my device or my AAC system the word C, and then I would have the parent model it for the child. I'd actually have the parent model it for the child the first couple times the word comes up in the book. So the more repetitive the book, the better. And as you get through the book, then I would have the parent fade their prompting and encourage the child to say the target word themselves. Okay, the next activity if the family chooses is mealtime. And this is really where you're gonna wanna use a parent coaching model. So you can encourage the parent to withhold utensils and encourage their child to say need, or keep lids closed on drinks and containers and encourage their child to ask for help. The parent might also be willing to let the child cook with them, and this could simply be doing a fun with food activity. You would definitely wanna discuss this beforehand and provide a visual recipe for them to follow though. And finally, the last activity that you might choose to do with your individuals who use AAC is playtime. This is where you can also use a parent coaching model and you're going to wanna have the client's computer set up in a way that allows you to see the play area and what the communication partner is doing. 
You might want to practice this before your session just to make sure the angle is right and it's well understood what's going to be happening. And during playtime, you're going to want to encourage the parent to present two to three toy choices and they could have their child pick a toy by saying that and pointing to the desired toy rather than programming in every different toy into their device. Bonus points if you can find a way for them to take turns with the toy and model your turn, my turn on the device. And you can model other target words on your AAC system as the communication opportunities arise. And then the parent would take your models and then model on their child's device. So there you have it, some quick tips on how to do AAC and teletherapy. There is a free planner that you can provide to your families to help facilitate this, um, to help facilitate AAC use throughout the day. And that will be shared through Speech Time Fun. Hallie will be providing that to you guys. And I hope this helped. If you're looking for more helpful tips with AAC, be sure to check out Speechy Side Up on Instagram and TPT. Hello, everyone. My name is Stacy Kraus, and I'm a speech pathologist in Iowa. I have been doing teletherapy since 2014, and I love it. And I'm happy to be here today to give you some tips and tricks to help you get and stay organized. Obviously, in the times that we're in, people are needing to become teletherapists overnight. So hopefully these won't be difficult to implement for you and will help save you time. In terms of organizing your caseload, I would just stick with what you know. If you have a digital spreadsheet to organize that, continue using that. If you have a paper notebook, continue with that. Keep with that familiarity. Some things that might you might consider for teletherapy that are different from working face-to-face is scheduling. I do not schedule any breaks of time between my students, except when I have an actual break or a lunch. So I don't put a five minute gap between kids because you don't need that time. You can prepare for multiple sessions in a row ahead of time, and then you don't have to have those weird gaps of time between groups. I do groups of two usually if I do a group. And I just make them back to back because you can say goodbye to one group and let the next group in your room instantly in a couple seconds. The next thing I would suggest is to create or adapt a letter that you could send to parents about teletherapy to just lay out the expectations of what kind of environment you think your students need to be in for them to be able to hear you and vice versa the equipment that is needed, and then just some basic troubleshooting. Um, you can often get that from the website of the, the platform that you're using, some of those tips, and just format into your own letter, as well as like a contact number that they can call for support if they need it, or maybe just to be able to get a hold of you. How can they get a hold of you if they're not able to make it or they're having tech issues? On the first session, I would also spend some time with your students showing them how to notify you if they can't hear you or see you, whether that's like a chat box or, you know, if they can alert you some way, because if they can't hear or see you, they can't tell you maybe, or, you know, pointing out those key features of the platform, having them practice how to do the annotation tools, having them practice how to turn their video on and off, how to practice turning the microphone on and off. So just you know, spend some time to let them become familiar with that. It will save you time in the long run. Another tip that I would suggest is 
having a Google Voice account if you don't already, because you can have that open in a tab and you can text a parent if a student is not showing up. I would suggest saving the phone numbers and the contacts on Google so that you can just quickly send a quick text without having to get your phone out or send an email they might not get right away. In terms of writing notes, I keep those on paper, but you know, find a way that's going to work for you or that's worked for you in the past and stick with that. I usually open a tab for each student where I need to write the note digitally, and that way I can keep track of whose notes are completed as I go throughout the day and whose are not. And then last but not least, storing and organizing your materials, your resources you're going to be using. I find that just organizing them by goal area and then sub goal area, so articulation, and then I might have a file for R, and then I might even break it down and have some vocalic R resources or blends. So just organizing them in your computer on the desktop is a really quick way to find them. It's easy to see and pull them up quickly. Make sure when you save the files, you save them with whole words so that instead of all words jumbled together, so spaces between the words, that you can search quickly. If you know you have a Earth Day synonyms resource, um, you can search it in your files and find it quickly. And then before you start a chunk of sessions or for your entire day, you might want to open up all the tabs that you're going to use whether that was on the internet browser. So you're going to open up the websites that you're going to use. You might put them in order even of the sessions. So you can quickly just close one when you're done with it. And you know, the next one on the left is going to be your next group. Same thing with Adobe reader or however you open your PDFs, you can rearrange those tabs, click them and drag them to be in the order of the students that you're seeing for that day. If you are able to upload PDFs into the platform, You can do that in the morning. That way it's all ready to go. Uh, You don't have to worry about it when the students are coming in. If you're able to kind of save them in like a, in a queue or something so that you can pull them up. All right. I hope that was helpful. Some tips that have kept me organized over the years and best of luck to you all. Everyone is going to do great. And I hope you love teletherapy as much as I do. Whoa, guys, was that amazing or what? I hope you're feeling a little bit more inspired, less overwhelmed, and have more tips and tricks in your tool belt that can help you execute this new time in our lives, a new time for SLPs here. And I really hope you're feeling a little bit more confident and you have just some more people that you can follow on Instagram to get more inspiration and ideas from. Okay, I know I'm a lot more inspired to even not be so scared if my district decides to tell me that teletherapy is what I am required to do moving forward. So also, since I also want to make sure that you are aware at this time, I do also have a free one-hour course that is available. It's not on teletherapy, but it's on using technology in your speech room. So it could be, it's the ideas you can use while doing teletherapy, but also ideas that you'll be able to use when you go back into your therapy rooms. They don't require a ton of prep. They're perfect for working on a variety of goals, perfect for mixed groups. I don't know if any of you are doing teletherapy with groups. So some of these ideas may be appropriate and easy for you to execute in a pinch when you have so much going on. So if you want to check out this free course that will give you one CMH hour and a certificate of completion, you'll have handouts and so many other fun goodies with that, head to speechtimefun.com 
com slash free course and you'll have access to that and I can't wait to hear what you think all about it. I've been getting tons of amazing comments and reviews on it thus far. Everyone's saying that it's a ton of ideas they can't wait to use and it's just what they needed to feel inspired and not as overwhelmed with this new change of the SLP world. Okay, so like I always do, I'm going to end this episode with a joke. And then I thought this one was kind of, kind of appropriate for the time. What did one ocean say to the other? Nothing. It just waved. <laughs> okay. I figured it was appropriate because we're all on social distancing. Okay. So they just had to wave to each other. It's also great for multiple meeting words. I was really trying to find like a toilet paper joke and I couldn't find one. But so if you, anyone knows a, to- a great toilet paper joke for our students, that you can tell your students on teletherapy or in like whatever or dojo or however else you are communicating with them, send them to me. Send me a DM. I would love to hear from you guys. And I would really like to hear from you guys how you are navigating this crazy time and I want you to know I am here for you to answer any questions to give you a little inspiration you know you can count on me to help you be the best SLP you can be and to keep a little bit more sane so until next week guys stay out of trouble it is no secret that as SLPs our focus is always on coming up with new and creative ways to engage our students while teaching them practical and meaningful skills so they can lead more productive communicative lives It's also no secret that reaching that goal consistently sometimes feels so out of reach. Being bogged down with paperwork, heavy caseloads, and unrealistic demands put on us by admin has our braids ready to explode, leaving us questioning our confidence, suffering from imposter syndrome, and being unsure of our place in a field that we love. That is why I decided to have a little fun and put together a free quiz that digs into the different SLP personalities we find in our amazing and challenging profession. This free 60-second quiz can help you discover which movie character best represents your SLP confidence, so you can begin to reclaim your time and banish overwhelm for all. No matter which result you get, each character embodies unique qualities that highlight the gifts and abilities you bring to your speech students each day. It also tackles the areas your character may need to work on in order to feel 100% confident as an SLP. Plus, I threw in some access to freebies for you. Who doesn't love freebies? So if you are tired of feeling negative, overwhelmed, devoid of confidence, or just want to have a little fun, take the quiz today. Head to speechtimefun.com quiz. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun, and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.